Church, we're uh, continuing in the sermon series that we started at the beginning of the month entitled Travel Light. And, and what we're doing in this sermon series, we've been talking about, and one of the main points I've really been wanting to get across to everybody, and make sure you get this, this world is not our home, church. We are literally just passing through. This is a temporary stop for each and every one of us. There is an eternity that is waiting for all of us. And I hope and pray that you understand that eternity for yourself. But here's the problem. The problem is, as we travel through life, we accumulate stuff, don't we? We accumulate some baggage, some hurts, some things that weigh us down, some things that hold us back. And, and I want you to know, church, that is not the life that God called you to. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says this. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Church, today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about letting go of something in our lives that's very, very destructive. And the sad part is a lot of us deal with this, and what we're dealing with is bitterness. We're going to be talking about letting go of bitterness. Webster's Dictionary defines bitterness as this, anger or disappointment at being treated unfairly or resentment. You know, I love the fact that God's word always speaks to us specifically. If you pay attention, he's very specific. He's very determined to make sure that we get his word. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it touches base on this very subject. So if you'll turn there with me to Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verses 14 and 15. And in the NIV version, it says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. Church, did you understand what God's word just said? It said, make every effort. It's not like that half-hearted effort. It's not like, eh, if I get time to do it or I just ain't feeling it today. The Bible says you make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Church, I love the way the DNIV puts it, but I want to share another version with you. The NLT says this. Listen, work it living in peace with everyone and work it living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know, isn't it true, church, that, that some people, some people in your life, some people in my life, they take a little more effort to live at peace with. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, like, maybe even a lot of effort for you to be able to live at peace with them. And see, we all have some of those people in our lives, every single one of us do, but the Bible says you make every effort. You make every effort. You guys ever seen that famous painting of Adam and God? I have one hanging on my wall in my home, and it shows just, it shows their hands reaching out. You see God, I mean, he's stretching with everything he has, and then there's Adam in the same picture on the opposite side, just kind of going like this. God's reaching out to him, stretching with everything he has, and Adam's like, eh, I'll give it a half-hearted little point to you, God. Listen, some of us do that same thing. The Bible says you make every effort. I mean, you're stretching hard. You're pushing hard. You're making every effort to live at peace 
with, with everyone. And, and the Bible says make that every effort. And, and the reason it says that, God's very specific, like I just said earlier. It, it's very specific. And the reason God tells you to make every effort because it says this, that no bitter root will grow up in you. Make every effort to be at peace with everyone because, listen, if you don't, bitterness is going to creep up in your life. And I believe, church, with all my heart, one of the greatest weapons the enemy likes to use is to destroy relationships with bitterness. He loves to destroy relationships and he loves to poison hearts, doesn't he? He loves to poison the hearts of God's people. And so in the Bible, God calls this the root of bitterness. Church, you know for a fact, if you've been attending church here for any amount of time, I tell you all the time, God wants us to love, right? The Bible says you love one another, right? The Bible makes it very clear to us. But see, the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to kill love and intimacy in all relationships. He wants to kill that. And so we know that God also wants us, church, to grow in trust. I don't know about you, but I definitely trust God a lot more at this point in my faith than I did when I first came to Christ. You know, I would be like, oh, yeah, I trust God. I, I did a little bit. You know what I mean? Now I'm trusting him even more. And guess what, church? I got a ways to go still. You know, I, now I do trust him with my I trust him with my sons. I, you know, everything, my marriage. I trust God in all those areas. But I got a ways to go. But see, the enemy wants to, wants to steal trust, church. He wants to steal that trust from you and leave you bitter. That's what he wants to do. And so I believe the enemy, what he'll do, like he always does, he will do everything possible, church, to plant seeds of offense, seeds of offense in the hearts of the people because seeds of offense, what they do is they grow into bitterness. And, and I'm hearing all the time, you probably are too, I'm offended by that. I mean, even the slightest thing, right? I'm offended. That's offensive. That's the seed. See, God doesn't call for us to be offended. You know why? Because offense likes to bring his brothers and sisters and cousins alongside. When you are offended, it turns into a bunch of other things. All his buddies come along, and it just multiplies inside of us. And see, that seed of offense grows into that root of bitterness. Church, God does not want you to be offended. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be like, oh, that ain't cool, I don't like that. I'm talking about being offended, being upset, constantly thinking about that, right? Because offense brings a lot of its friends, and then what happens is something that's really, really small. I don't know if any of you guys' brains work like mine. I just sit there, it just rolls. I mean, it just keeps getting bigger. Like a snowball rolling down the mountain, right? It just keeps getting bigger. It could be something this small. And by the end of the day, in 24 hours, man, I've made it into this huge mountain, and it doesn't even need to be that way. And it happens in so many ways, right? It can be really, really small things. You know, you, you have a friend on social media, and they always comment on your stuff, always. And all of a sudden, they quit commenting on it. They quit telling you that you look gorgeous or you look amazing, right? They quit doing that. And so you look at it and you're like, huh, why aren't you doing that anymore? 
Church, the seed of offense leads to bitterness. How about when you text somebody, you text a friend, you text a family member, and you're looking at it, you, te- you ask them a question, and then you see the bubbles. You know what I'm talking about, right? They, they read your text, and you see the bubbles, and the bubbles just keep going, and you're sitting there looking at it, all of a sudden, the bubbles goes away, and there's no answer. You're offended, right? You're upset. You're like, why'd you just do that to me, Right? Seeds of offense grows to the root of bitterness. How about that Christmas meal you're going to be enjoying next week, right? There's going to be that one person. It, this person's in every family. If this is you, you better take notes this year, right? That person comes to the family dinner. They don't bring anything but a very large, empty Tupperware bowl with them because they're going to take all the leftovers home. But they don't bring anything for anybody else to eat. You're offended by that, aren't you? See, some of us, church... The seed of offense turns into the root of bitterness. In some of your church, you know what? You, you love. You, you, you love on someone, and then they lie to you. That person that you love deceives you. Maybe that person you love talks bad about you. The seeds of offense, church, grows into a root of bitterness. How about that relative that's always critical of you? You know that relative, right? They're critical of how you raise your kids. They're critical of how you dress. They're critical of how you spend your money. Man, they are even critical of where you go to worship. It could be that person, church, that takes advantage of you, that misleads you, that betrays you, right? You become offended, and you realize, church, there's that seed of offense, and that seed of offense could lead to the root of bitterness. So the big thought for today, I really want you to get this, is this. Write it down. You can't control what people say and do, but you can Control how you react. You can't control everyone around you. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You can't control what they're going to say to you. You can't control what they're going to do to you. But you 100% every single time can control the way that you respond to them. Church, you can't even control what people think about you. You try real hard, don't you? But the good news is this. With God's help, And by his power of the Holy Spirit, you can control how you respond. You can learn to control how you respond. See, some of you right now, you're extremely excited about Christmas. And then some of you, you're sitting there like, I can't wait for this to be over. I'm sick of it already, right? Because whatever emotional state you're in, this is a proven fact, by the way, whatever emotional state you're in right now, it is magnified this time of year. If you are excited about Christmas, you know, you're in a relationship, you can't wait to share that relationship with that person at Christmas time, right? And man, the Christmas lights, everywhere you go, they twinkle a little brighter, don't they? And yeah, that does. Somebody paying attention. And you know, it's heightened, everything. You know, how about the carbs that you eat right now? They taste a little bit sweeter right now, don't they? Because things are good in your life. You know what? Christmas is just a little more magical for you when things are going good, and that is awesome. But listen, for those of you who struggle this time of year, maybe because of the loss of relationships, maybe the loss of a loved one, financial difficulties, just things aren't good in your life. Maybe you're experiencing some kind of drama you know, relational tension, setbacks, whatever it might be. This time magnifies that pain. And it's very real to you. So this week, as all of us, we're in front of family, presence of family and friends. 
I promise you, church, I promise you that the enemy is going to look to plant seeds of offense in your life this week to rob you of joy. He's looking for it. So how do we get rid of bitterness? How do you and I get rid of bitterness? Remember, I want you to remember that. You can't control what what people do and what people say around you, but you can control how you respond. So my first thought, if you're taking notes, is this. The problem with bitterness is that bitterness has a dangerous root. The Bible tells us that, right? Go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. I want to remind you again. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Isn't it interesting that the Bible uses the word root to describe bitterness? Think about that. You know, how many of you have ever tried to dig that dandelion out in your yard? I'm talking that really big one. Those roots go deep. And you got to fight to get that bugger out of there, right? Now I want you to think of the big oak tree. Maybe it's in your yard. Maybe it's on a trail where you hike. Maybe it's in the park, wherever it might be. That great big giant oak tree, I mean, it is strong. It is sturdy. And it's very majestic. And you look at that thing like, wow. Do you realize that large oak tree? That large oak tree has a root system. And if you take all the roots and just line them up in a straight line, a large oak tree has a root system that is one mile long when it's lined up. So the Bible describes bitterness as a root because that root can go deep. It can be very long, right? It says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Church, all of us, every single person in your life, you've experienced hurt, you've experienced disappointment, you've experienced let down, right? You've experienced lies, people have told you lies. You might not even know, church, you might not even realize it yet, but in your own life, there's an offense that is taking root in you. It's taking root. It's called the root of bitterness. The The apostle Paul I love how the Apostle Paul writes. And one of my favorite verses, I use it in every single wedding I ever do, every single pre-marriage counseling. You know, I always ask, hey, do you love Jimmy? Oh, I love Jimmy so much, right? You know, and, and I tell him, do you know what love means? God is so purposeful. He knows that we're going to mess everything up because I love Pop-Tarts, right? <laughs> That's messing that word up. God gives us the exact definition of love, and the Apostle Paul tells us what it means, church. It's the definition of love, and it comes to us in 1 Corinthians, if you'll look at this with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it says this. Listen, church, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Church, that is God's definition of love. And man, that's hard to keep that, isn't it? When you say you love somebody, it's hard to follow those guidelines. But I like at the very end of it, at the end of verse 5 there, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. (laughs) How many of you are good keeping a detailed list of those who have wronged you. 
I remember back on September the 5th, 1976, what you did to me. You're good. You're good at it. But listen, the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. But you know what? Bitterness keeps a detailed log of wrongs. A detailed log of wrongs, detailed records. It's like, he hurt me. She misled me. They lied to me. You know, they let me down. See, bitterness will keep growing and growing and growing the longer you allow it, church. You're allowing this to happen. The longer you allow it to live, it's going to keep growing. And it's going to get ugly. <laughs> Listen to me. The deeper it grows, the deeper it grows, and the harder it is going to be to kill. The deeper that bitterness, you're letting that bitterness grow in your life, the harder it's going to be to kill because bitterness, the Bible says, is a dangerous root. Second point I want to give you out today is this. Not only is bitterness a dangerous root, the second point is this. Bitterness has a poisonous fruit. My poet didn't know it. How about that, right? Bitterness has a poisonous fruit. Hebrews chapter 12, I want to take you back there. There's a lot of good stuff in there for us to see. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. Here's the key, to cause trouble and defile many. To defile many. That bitterness that we let grow in our hearts, there's collateral damage to that. There really is. You know, you, you hear when the, the military does an operation and, and they go in and they target whatever it is they're targeting, and then you, all, you hear the word collateral damage. It means, all right, we wiped out that target, but there was also a mess that was left around there. And see, the root of bitterness, the Bible says, it, it grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It doesn't say it just causes you an issue. you got that root of bitterness. It doesn't say it's going to be bad for you. It says it defiles many got collateral damage. It messes with those around you. See, the author of Hebrews knew this, knew this very well. Think about, you know, one person, one person who is nursing an offense that allows it to live in their soul over time. There's collateral impact of that one offense, and it's widespread too, church, it is. We know this, right? One bitter person can defy, divide a family, really can. It can mess a family up. One bitter person can make a workplace absolutely miserable. One bitter person can destroy a church. I've seen it done. It's true. So some of you, you're praying right now. You're going like, Lord, I hope so-and-so is watching this online right now. Because you know that bitter person. See, bitterness is also the hardest sin for us to see in the mirror. It really is. We, we have a hard time to see it in the mirror because you know why? You feel justified. You're like, oh, well, I got every right to be bitter because of what they did to me. You, you feel justified. You know, the only reason I feel the way that I feel is because of what they said. The only reason I feel what I feel is because of what they did. You feel justified, church. And so what you do is you kind of wrap yourself around that, that close, comfy friend of bitterness that you've become so accustomed to living with that you actually, you don't even know what life would be like without that bitterness and that offense in your life. Church, if we aren't careful, listen to me. If we aren't careful this morning, we will come into this room 
to celebrate the love of Jesus Christ and while we sit there and hate somebody in our heart at the very same time. It happens. Don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you the truth. I know you don't like to hear it. But if we aren't careful, church, some of us, we will willfully receive the forgiveness of God, but yet we will withhold, we will withhold forgiveness from somebody else because of offense or bitterness. We'll sit there like, Lord, I need all, come on, keep giving it to me. I need your grace. I thank you for it. Thank you for the forgiveness, right? Some of us, we need extra grace, don't we? Because we mess up a lot, and God just keeps pouring it on top of you. But you, you relish that. You live in that. You're excited about that. But man, you can't forgive your neighbor for something they did to you 25 years ago. You can't even sit in the same sanctuary with someone because of, of what they did to you. And it probably started out small, but yet we keep letting it grow. Church, do you realize he who angers you owns you? Man, they do. You wake up in the morning, you think about them, and you're fired up, and your day is ruined. They don't even know. They didn't even do anything to you again. So who are you holding something against, church? Who are you holding something against? Is it, is it your boss? Is it your teacher? Maybe, it, maybe it's a coach that messed you over. Maybe it's your spouse. You need some marriage counseling. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's even yourself this morning. And even some of you, you might be holding some bitterness against your heavenly father because it didn't turn out the way you asked him to. Church, we cannot heal from what we are unwilling to acknowledge. You cannot heal if you're unwilling to acknowledge it. And so what I want you to do, I want every single person that's sitting here watching online, if you can hear my voice, I want you to ask God today to reveal anything in your heart, anything, church, that is growing beneath the surface of your soul, some kind of offense, some kind of bitterness that you are holding on to. I'm talking about it needs to be excavated. It needs to be healed, and it's only going to be done by the Holy Spirit. That's where that healing is going to come from. So how do we kill that root of bitterness? Ephesians chapter 4. Man, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, Verse 31 goes like this. It says, get rid of all bitterness. Boy, he's straight to it, isn't he? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So he laid it all out. He covered all the bases right there in verse 31. And then he switches gears real fast, almost without even using the clutch, because verse 32 says this, be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just in Christ just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know, we hear at the end of that, be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, and you're like, eh, maybe. And then he hits you with that zinger right there at the end. Just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You Put the icing on the cake there. You can't deny any of that. Can't deny it. You, you can't even say, eh, maybe. He threw it right in your face. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So how do we kill the root of bitterness, church? First way you do it is you kill bitterness with compassion. 
You kill bitterness with compassion. You know, maybe there's some tension growing in here today. Man, I'm stomping on your toes today. I'm not stepping on them. I'm stomping on them today. And so maybe you got a little bit of tension brewing inside of you because you recognize that you're dealing with this offense, an offense that you've carried for a long time, an offense that you're struggling with immensely, and you just feel, you're sitting there, I'm justified. It's a, I, I deserve to feel this way. Preacher, you have no idea. What was done to me? You know, in order to kill it, church, you've got to learn to operate in compassion. You've got to learn to operate in compassion even towards the person that hurts you. Whew, that's a tough one. It's tough, but here's a little secret. I've been, I've been learning this the hard way. I'm that guy. I, I never take the easy road. I always take the hard road. The laws of heaven are almost always opposite, church, of your human nature. God's laws in heaven are almost always opposite of our human nature. God's over here saying, this is what you got to do. And you're like, but I'm clear over here, and this is what I want to do. This is where I'm at. And you know what he tells us in Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Easy for you to say. You know, I know a girl personally. She goes to this church. I asked her if I could do this, but I ain't giving her name. It's none of your business. I know this girl. She really and truly loves the Lord. She's one of those type of people. She wears it. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see her, she's always smiling. I'm like, why are you smiling? It's early. Right? She's always smiling. She's always happy. Man, you can see on her face, she's always wanting to serve. She's always wanting to help. She's always wanting to volunteer. And man, you look at her like, man, I want to be that kind of Christian. But if you know her well, if you ever got to sit down and talk to her, and she felt safe enough to share this with you, church, listen to me. Her former life was horrific. It was horrific. She was abused in every way. A person can be abused. She told me that every single day her father called her worthless and he just used to refer to her as zero every single day of her life. He said that she was worth nothing. But you know what, church? God disagreed with her father. Completely disagreed with her father because somewhere along the way in her journey of life, she encountered Jesus Christ with his love and his compassion. And listen, she was courageous enough to let God to begin to heal her bitterness in the wounds that were caused by so many different people. She was one of those people that you would look at and say, I understand why she acts the way she does. But she chose a different route. What she has done is she has taken her past misery and she's turned it into love and compassion. Remember, church, when the enemy means to destroy something, God will turn it for good. He tells us that in his word. So you kill bitterness with compassion. Man, it even tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, it says this, bless those who curse you. And you're like, for real? God, did you just tell me that? You bless those who curse you, and you pray for those who mistreat you for the people who have abused you, for the people who have been mean to you, for the people who have just made you feel like a zero. The Bible says you pray for them. And we're all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pray. 
I'm going to pray that bad stuff happens. I'm going to pray that God will heap burning coals right on top of their head, right? That's how we want to pray for them. That's the human side, opposite end. But God says, you bless those who curse you. You pray for those who mistreat you. Opposite of our human instincts, what it tells us to do. But listen, church, the greatest form of compassion is to pray for someone who has done something horrible to you. I'm talking about you pray, like, God, Lord God, I, I pray they experience you today. You know what, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you soften their heart. God, I pray, I pray that they would know your love. I pray, Lord, that you would surround them with some good godly men and women that could make a difference in their life. You know, praying, church, and I've tried this. <laughs> praying for somebody like this, it might not change them. I got a few people on my list. I'm like, Lord, what are you waiting on? It might not change them, but you know what? When you pray, when you pray like this, like it tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 28, when you pray like this, it will always change you every single time. It will always change you. Church, you kill bitterness with compassion. Second way you do it, you kill bitterness with forgiveness. You're like, preacher, you have no idea what this person did to me. No, I don't. You're right, I don't. But God does. God knows exactly what they did for you. And so you're like, God, how do I possibly do that? Lord, how can I possibly forgive this person? Because in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, remember, this is the stuff here. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving. The Bible says, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you realize you're not generating something new? You're just passing it on. You don't have to generate that forgiveness. You are just passing on what God gave to you. Something you've already received, and there's a big difference. I want you to think about this for a minute. How did Jesus Christ forgive you? Seriously. How did he, forg How did he forgive you? Some of us, we got a long rap sheet too, don't we? And how did God forgive you? Let me tell you how Jesus forgave you. He forgave you immediately. He forgave you generously. And he forgave you unconditionally. That's how Jesus forgave you. Man, he hung on a cross, not for his debt. He didn't have any debt. He hung on the cross for your debt, to pay yours. And church, you remember what he uttered on the cross, those three words? He said, it is finished. It means it's all paid for. It means it's available to you now. It's finished. And when he said that, church, he was thinking of you, man. He was thinking about, I'm going to take their pain. Man, I am going to take their sin. I'm going to take their shame so that you and I can be free. So that we can be free. So that you can be forgiven. Church, one of the reasons we live in this cycle of bitterness is because we like to compare, right? This sin over here, oh, that ain't as bad as this sin over here. Like, all right, I'm bad, but at least I ain't as bad as Jimmy over here. He's bad, bad. We like to compare it. Did you realize that all sin separates us from the glory of God? In the heavenly scale, there's no difference. Every single one of us have messed it up. You know, we, we, we like to say these things. You realize that sin, church, is an archery term. It means to miss the bullseye, to miss the bullseye, to miss the mark of God's righteousness. And by how much? 
I mean, you like to play that, well, I'm close. <laughs> no, you still missed. You still missed it. Well, at least I'm closer than you. You still missed it. It's an archery term. A mile sin and a millimeter sin. They might be different on earth, but in the eyes of God, it's exactly the same. When we miss the mark, church, we sin, and the penalty of sin is separation from God. And so when we come to that place, when you and I come to that place, and we recognize what we have been so freely given, how do we dare withhold that from somebody else? How can we possibly do that? How could you possibly do that? You know, this week as you get ready to celebrate Christmas, you know, you're going to be in some situations. It's inevitable. The enemy's going to do it to you. Maybe at Christmas dinner, you're going to be sitting across from somebody and you're going to want to remind them about what they did to you. And you're going to want to remind them about the offenses that they put down on you. Church, I want to remind you what we said last week. Let it be. Just let it be. You don't do that. And as I call the praise team up here, I want you to understand something. There's baby steps to forgiveness. You know what? There really is. I hear people say all the time, like, oh, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. You ain't forgiving them. Because if every time you see that person, it dredges up that anger. Every time you see that person, it, it makes you have bad feelings. Your church, you, you, you haven't forgiven them. That's just your cheater way of trying to get out of it. But God's looking at you going, yeah, right. You haven't forgiven nobody. You might not forget the offense, but I tell you what, when you see that person, those feelings will no longer creep up. It won't happen that way. And there are baby steps to forgiveness. Because you understand that it's almost impossible to just say, I forgive it. See, because we live in the moment, don't we? Everyone else, we live in that moment. We don't know how you're going to feel tomorrow. You don't, you don't know, church, that what's going to happen with that person you're struggling with. But today, but today you can decide, like, I'm no longer going to hold that against them. I'm talking about over days and over weeks. I'm saying every single day, you're like, today I choose, Lord, to forgive that person again. You, you might have to forgive them every hour. But I want you to know that's the baby steps. God knows your heart and he knows you're trying. You might not have made it yet. But he said, I love that. You're working on it. You're trying there to get there. So church, listen to me. Over the days, the weeks, the months, I want you to know it'll eventually stick. It, it will no longer be an emotion when you see them. You, 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 you can remind yourself, right? You got to, church. You got to remind yourself that you can't receive what Jesus gives you and withhold it from somebody else. The Bible says we can't. So I ask you this morning, is there a root of bitterness somewhere in your life? Seriously, is there a root of bitterness? I want you to remember this, church. You got two options. You can relive it and you can rehearse it every single day. If you want to, it's just gonna make you sick. Or you can release it. You can say, God, I'm, I'm done with it. Some of you are here today, man. You, you believe in God, right? And you believe in Jesus Christ as, as a forgiver. 
but you're not free. And you know it. Especially if you heard this sermon today, you are not free because you're holding on to some bitterness. You're holding on to some offense in your life and you're imprisoned in this memory or this offense. Church, remember two options. You can relive it, you can rehearse it, or you can release it. And when you release it, God's gonna set you free. Some of you today, you're in a brick wall in your faith. You're not gonna go any further because you're holding on to this offense. You're holding on to this, this, this bitterness until this root of bitterness is killed. You are gonna struggle every single day in your walk with Christ. And some of you today, you're, you're here and you're struggling. You're struggling in your sin because you know what? You've never given it to him. You're living your life outside of Christ. Church, I want you to know there's a lot of good people who are going to go to hell. There are. It's not a good person that makes it to heaven. It's a person who has invited Jesus Christ into their heart and asked for forgiveness of their sins. And so I'm talking to you right now. It's time for you to surrender. You can come up front. We'll pray with you. We'll walk you through it. Church, listen, the Bible says you will be set free. That you will no longer be heavy. That you will no longer struggle in that area. There's going to be struggles in life. But the fact that God took your sin, that heavy weight off you, and said, guess what? I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west. You are forgiven. You are set free. And if you want some of that church today, I want to encourage you to come forward. Is your sin pulling you down? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.